0: Where are you, fella?
2: Ready to start your career, Kansas City? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Kansas City. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT, more than a gas station.
3: You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Kaiju Curry House the weekly show that gives you kaiju kind of goodness every single monday i'm joined today by my good friend joe howdy there alex evening and our special guest linda miller hello
3: hi how are you guys
1: are good great. thank you very good thank you how are you
3: i'm actually very good myself
1: good to hear well thank you for joining us For anyone that doesn't recognize your name, you're probably best known to our listeners for King Kong Escapes, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll be talking about that and lots of other goodies about your time in Japan later on. But first, as you've just been told, we like to kick off with the lovely question of what have Kaiju been up to? So let's start off with Joe. What have Kaiju been up to?
0: Well, we've been talking for a little bit prior to this episode. One thing Joe has not been up to is getting a haircut, um, <laughs> and he's starting to look a little bit fuzzy. Anyways, um, it was my birthday uh, the week before, and I got all sorts of lovely things. Um, I got some very sweet cards. I got uh, the Terror of Mechagodzilla framed. Uh, someone framed DVD and the DVD cover for me, which was really sweet and then just today um alex and my magic the gathering godzilla cards came in on the post so we are both very excited about that and true to form joe caved in and found a model online it is the Gamora rick boy exclusive and i went on awesome collector and totally impulse bought that so yeah happy birthday joe That's that's
4: a very good birthday. Happy birthday.
0: Yeah. 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 Anyways, uh, Linda, what have Kaiju been up to?
3: I knew you were going to ask me that, and I've been sitting here trying to rack my brain with something that's very interesting, but absolutely nothing but work. You know, fortunately, my business, we build houses. I do the sales, and my partner actually builds the houses. We've been really busy during this time because people have a lot of time on their hands, so they're thinking about buying and building, and interest rates are low, so we have been really, really busy. I've been working long, long hours. But one one interesting thing is one uh, of my fans, I hate to use the word fans because it feels like they're more like friends, you know, because over the years of speaking to everybody on Facebook, anyway, one of them did a... A painting i guess is what you would call it the lieutenant susan watson in her cap and sent it to me and so i uh it's really awesome so i posted it on my fan page along with the picture of me standing next to it and it's actually one of my favorites and my other favorite is um a fan by the name of martin zimmerman who took my i guess cover picture that's on when you go on linda miller king kong escapes on facebook it's uh the cover picture and he took that and he made a drawing of it and he sent it to me and so i put i took a picture with me next to that and posted it online so that's kind of been the highlight of what's been happening in the last week or two that's, that's really awesome nice.
2: yeah
3: yeah yeah
4: the downside now is that you have to ask our terrible pun question to either Paul or myself.
3: I have to ask a question to you guys? Yeah,
4: you have to ask, what have Kaiju been up to, either oh. to Paul or myself? Like It's it's really natural and not awkward in any way. So just, just ask
3: <laughs> it. I, I was just going to say that. All right, what's uh, Paul, what's Kaiju been up to?
1: <laughs> Thank you, well done. <laughs> not, not bad, not bad. Uh, what have
3: you been up to? Yeah, what about it?
1: So I've been—I've talked about a few episodes back. Actually, I've been playing some of the early kaiju films when I've been doing jobs around the house, so that my children, through osmosis, will hopefully just absorb a love for monster <laughs> movies.
2: <laughs>
1: and um, we started with Godzilla versus King Kong, which went down really well. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: since then, we've watched Invasion of the Astro Monsters and Son of Godzilla. Oh and again, both, both very popular. Invasion of the Astro Monsters, Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and also the aliens and the spaceships. He seemed quite, he loved the, like the UFOs. They, they just, um, had him transfix the TV. And Son of Godzilla, obviously, with a baby Godzilla walking around and occasionally tripping over daddy's tail was quite funny. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's been a win. And, um, actually, speaking of, of that, my son turns two on Monday which is when, which is actually when this releases so happy birthday Nathan if you're listening which I doubt you would be <laughs> um, but I've been trying to find him at a Godzilla toy and there is nothing for the, the two year old everything says three ah. and up so ah. I was going to say is there anything that you guys know of and yeah, instantly
0: Okay. What, what? it's so going to be too there, late now <laughs> there uh. is a uh, there's a toy you can get it on Amazon it is actually called My First Godzilla and it is infant up I got one for my little girl when she was an infant <laughs> She still oh, okay. has it.
1: So, so, is it a, a cuddly toy? A, a solid. It is tastic, a cuddly toy. A cuddly it toy. It? Yeah. It's like a oh, okay. Godzilla teddy bear.
4: Price range, Joe, because this matters. I mean, I love my daughter, but you know, come on. When I got it, it was twenty-five dollars. <laughs> that that that's acceptable. Yeah, because be fair. when my daughter started checking out my X plus collection. <laughs> She was looking through the figures and saying, oh, daddy, can I get this? Can I get that? And it's like, no, no, you cannot. I'm not spending <laughs> £70 on a piece of plastic for you. I will spend £200 on myself. Do not be ridiculous, child. <laughs> so, oh, oh, right. Okay. Well, Joe has returned with is, right With okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Joe, my man, can you send a link of that beautiful being to the UK Kaiju fans group? There was my shameless plug. See what I did there?
3: Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> I've we, just... we all have our shameless.
1: Mm. I've just Googled that on Amazon. It's currently selling for £70.
0: Of course, it's the number that Alex <gasps> threw out. <laughs> <laughs> that's... It's amazing. Could, couldn't make that up, could you? Um, how, price is right.
3: How, how much is £70 as far as American money?
4: 95, is it? Oh. Uh, oh um, that's... <laughs> actually, uh, Joe, exchange
0: rate? I think we're at one point two four at the moment.
1: Okay. It's um yeah. seventeen dollars at the moment. <laughs> okay. Or 17 or seventy pounds. So.
3: Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. So in the states, it's nice and cheap, but over here, we have to pay.
0: Yeah. Well, for the sake of it, I think you could probably buy it in the states and then just pay like what <laughs> yeah. twenty quid to have it <laughs> shipped over. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, my son would love that. I Me mean, to be honest, my my daughter would love that.
0: It's a um. Very- it's very cuddly, it's quite soft, as you'd expect. Mm. Mm. Paul,
1: okay. I'm I'm sat here feeling unloved. Oh. Do oh. you I'll tell you what? So tell me, Alex, what have Kaiju been up to? You see, Linda,
4: the more we ask this, the better it gets as a question. <laughs> like it, it ages like a whiskey. Yeah. You know, it ages so well. Um, right. So I've been beasting the Resident Evil 2 remake. Having played Resident Evil 3, that was great. And then I moved on to Resident Evil 2. That was good fun. And then it's all been about the new magic uh, cards because I've never played Magic the Gathering because, you know, I'm, I'm not a nerd. Um, no. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Joe kind of shows me the alternative artwork and it's like, Oh, look at those Godzilla magic the Gathering cards. Well, now, I might have to get some of those. And I bought myself uh, a commander deck through Joe's help, and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying getting into it. I haven't played a game yet, but I've been reading the cards, and I've been wasting my life doing that. It's been great fun. And in all honesty, I'm sure like a lot of people right now, a lot of what I've been up to hasn't been indoors. The weather has been wonderful, so I've been in the garden a lot. Uh, i've been building raised garden beds planting cabbages and cauliflowers it's felt like an episode country file rather than an episode of kaiju curry house so it's been nice though but not very on topic rather than any one of the three of us doing a bad job introducing the film i'm sure many times linda you have given like a simple summary of it so can you just in a nutshell for people who've never heard of king kong escapes what's it about (laughs)
3: You know, what's interesting is that so far you guys have asked me questions I've never been asked before, and that's very refreshing. Oh, Um, nice. Basically, the story's about this uh, lieutenant, um, Susan Watson, who's on this uh, submarine, and they go to this island, and... um, She's going to get eaten by this monster. I forget which one it is. And uh, King Kong comes out of the blue and saves her and puts her in a tree. So she's, in, you know, safely away from the monster, kills the monster, and then the love story begins. So King Kong is, becomes like my boyfriend. He protects me from all kinds of evils. And so, and then the story is you've got uh, Doctor Who and Madame Piranha, who are the evil ones in the story, and they're trying to kidnap King Kong and use him, use him up so that they can, I guess he has to mine some kind of special, I don't know, special something. And uh, so anyway, then he escapes, but they capture us. So the whole story is about how King Kong and I have this love affair in a sense and he protects me and, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's a really good guy, not like some of the other King Kong movies. He's kind of like the King Kong of Skull Island in the sense that he's protecting those he loves and, mm. you know, fiercely, fiercely going after the ones who are trying to destroy everything that he loves. So, and then in the very end, he goes off into the ocean and we say goodbye. So it, it's kind of a, a sweet, silly little love story.
0: <laughs> it does. It if I uh, was going to sum it up in anything, I I am a King Kong fan. I am the resident King Kong fan okay. of, of our group. And um, what a, I, I've taken a few notes. I've, I've got around the internet and looked around to see what other mm-hmm. folks thought of it. And one of the things that um, people have said is it it's a fun adventure story. Mm-hmm. So it isn't particularly serious in its tone it's it's just a great ride if you will i think that's the best way to describe it it's a ride and it it appeals to a variety of ages it's just you have to have a suspension of disbelief <laughs> so what i will say though is you've got a couple of greats that worked on it though we have haru nakajima who was the original godzilla he's kong in your picture we yes, have we have Akira Ikafube. He did all of the music, and some of it was actually reused later on in the Godzilla series. We have Eiji Tsuburaya, who was the special effects champion of this film. He did the original Godzilla. And then, of course, Ishiro Honda directed it. He mm-hmm. being one of the Shawa greats for Toho. So, I mean, it's it's got all of the makings of greatness. And what I think, uh, what I think makes you a big fan of it... Is if you watch it before you watch any other Kong film. So, Mm -hmm. one of the things about King Kong is love it or hate it, a lot of the same, what you say, plot elements are recycled every time you see King Kong. And whichever Kong film you see can generally be considered your first and you have warm feelings for that. However, if you happen to come across King Kong Escapes as your first Kong film, They threw pretty much everything into this film, didn't they?
3: (laughs) Yeah, they did.
0: We've got dinosaurs, we've got sea serpents, we've got Mechani-Kong, we've got a uh, showdown at the top of Tokyo Tower, we've got Yourself. And I will say that you're a lot more competent than many of the other... I don't want to say damsels in distress, but you know, like Kong's love interests. We'll leave it at that. So you're a lot more competent because you are a lieutenant on a, on a submarine. Like you've gotten somewhere. You are, you are an adventurer in your own right. Whereas a lot of the other folks, um, they just kind of get caught up in the moment. Whereas you kind of take control of the situation. Actually, that's one of the plot elements. So Doctor Who. So it is spelled like, (laughs) <laughs> tardis doctor who and the american dub but it's hw for our british listeners who will want to know but uh it's it's who hw he's he's the bad guy he works for uh Madame piranha as it were and they're trying to take over the world but um what is it uh yeah, well, you oh, know sorry. you know that he's the bad guy because he's got a cape that's oh, he is – you instantly know yeah. he's the bad guy and be I like, mean, he's just so over-the-top yeah. bad <laughs> he guy. He is.
4: He's, he's got that pantomime villain. He walks in. It's like, well –
0: All right. Who here uh, seen Inspector Gadget? Anybody see that cartoon? Okay. Have, I have, yes, yes. So in Inspector Gadget, you have the bad guy who's the claw. And he's just such an over the top villain. I mean it's just great. It's like so Doctor Who I mean, he has the slick back hair. I mean, I even want to say that he has like the villain eyebrows okay. and uh-huh. expression. Uh-huh. he's like had his eyebrows done by like the evil like <laughs> folks. He has like this black cape that he wears around. <laughs> it's brilliant fun, but uh yeah, i mean it's just it's so it's so fun this movie and i think i mean they have thrown everything in it and i think that if it were any other team that had done it it would collapse under its own weight but because you had all the greats working on it 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 manages to pull it off because you have a great score you have the good special effects you have good direction and you have competent characters linda you did a great job so i mean like If you're, if you're gonna watch a, if you're gonna watch like a Toho Kong film, I mean, like, there were only two, to be fair, but I mean, like, King Kong versus Godzilla, I mean, that's pretty straightforward, but King Kong Escapes, it has a lot more in it to like really grab your interests, I feel.
4: But then what it does lack is Japanese actors in blackface giving children cigarettes. So, Linda, is your film the superior entity? (laughs) Disgust.
0: And oh one fell swoop, oh. Alex goes there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh my god! So. Uh, let me just say that Doctor Who was one of my favorite characters because even on the set, in between takes, he never got out of character. He was, he was always a method character. actor. Oh, evidently, god. evidently, and he would walk. <laughs> he would walk around the set flinging his cape open wide, like, you know, the wind was blowing through it, and he just took command of wherever he was. But every once in a while, he would, like, he was very sweet underneath. He was completely opposite as a human being (laughs) than his character. And every once in a while, he'd let his guard down, and we we would be talking, because I spoke Japanese at the time, and we would be talking, and... He was just a, the sweetest guy, just like, you know, your uncle, something, buddy, you know, he was just really sweet. And th- another thing I think that worked really well is Rhodes and Takarada-san, you know, both of them are big guys, um, you know, Rhodes well over six feet, big booming voice, you know, uh, just chiseled looks. He was just really handsome and, and, um he had such a presence about him but takarada san also was not your typical you know 5 foot 7 japanese at the time he was a tall guy uh, chiseled looks very handsome very popular uh, very much in demand and so the two of them worked well together it w- they competed all the time but it was a good competition you know they never were out to get one another they it, it was a Wonderful relationship. And I think that that worked in the film because physically they were on a par, you know, Mm -hmm. as the two male leads. I think Mm -hmm. physically they were on a par. And when I, when I first got the part, I had never acted in my entire life. I had never even desired to act. And Arthur called me out of the blue and Arthur Rankin and, um, said, I want to talk to you about doing a film. Can you meet me for dinner? So we went to dinner, and over dinner he said I had the part, and I thought he was a little bit crazy because I had never acted before. So it was a lot of fun doing the film, and it was very stressful, especially the first month. I was so insecure and I look, (laughs) I look at some of the scenes and I know exactly what day it was that we (laughs) filmed that, you know, because I went, Oh God, that's terrible acting. Oh, that's a little bit better. That's probably two weeks down the road, you know. So it it was, it was an amazing experience. I
4: think that we've come to a natural point to take our first break because now many of our listeners are going to want to know how you ended up in Japan and how you got into acting in the first place.
0: Recently, on the Heroes Podcast Network, Echo Station.
3: Well, what's the main uh, think... what's the main planet that indoor the forest moon of indoor? It's a moon, so it's there's a major planet, obviously that it is the forest moon of indoor. Is indoor the actual planet then? See, th- isn't that confusing? <laughs> yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet indoor, or
0: is it the forest moon called indoor? Screen heroes. <laughs> if the MCU gets that, then I really think. That Space Jam needs to be part of the DC EU. Yes. Okay, because and then they
2: have a big Marvel versus DC <laughs> crossover where the Air
0: Bud takes on Space Jam.
4: Man, we should write for these companies. That's what it comes... It's
0: Air Bud versus Bugs Bunny. That's, That's what it's right. all come down to. One on one. Yes, done. All right. And then, like at the end, it's Galactus versus LeBron
2: James. And oh, squirrel geez. girl wins.
4: <laughs> Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before and other people have, but there's there's so much of real life history involved with Star Trek from Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as as a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving all these people and all these real life events that have impacted things. That's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. Welcome back, you wonderful people. You're listening to Kaiju Curry House. My name's Alex. We're joined by Joe and Paul. We are on the second part of this episode dedicated to King Kong Escapes, but more specifically to the wonderful Linda Miller, who was just beginning to tell us on how she had never acted before King Kong Escapes, but she somehow ended up in Japan. Now, there's a story there, Linda, and we're desperate to hear it.
3: Okay. My story is that my dad was a lifer in the military. He was an Air Force uh, captain. And when I was a sophomore in high school, we knew that it was time for daddy to be stationed overseas. And I had requested that he put in for Spain because I wanted to be a translator, a Spanish translator at the UN. So in their wisdom, they sent him to Japan instead of to Spain. So, um, I took summer classes so I could skip a grade and graduate before I went to Japan because they usually give you orders in it in advance. So instead of being able to graduate like I had planned, we had, my mom and I had to catch a plane to go to Japan. So I missed my high school graduation and we're, we we Wind up driving from, I was living in Oklahoma at the time, and uh, we drove across country, and we we went to Vegas. Mom and I had never been to Vegas. Here I am, what, 17, and so we go to the um, Eddie Fisher show, and we walk in, and they, I know this is a roundabout way of getting to how I got to Japan, but we walk in to the show, and they come up to me, and they said, Uh, to my mom and I, and they said, can you please come with me? And they sat me in the front row and Eddie Fisher comes on and he starts to sing to me. Well, all those lights hit me, you know, all the bright lights. And I thought, this is kind (laughs) of (laughs) cool. You know, I I like this. So anyway, that was my little episode. And then we get on the plane, we come to Japan. And the weird thing was when we're going from the, um, military airport to, I guess it was Techco or somewhere like that, uh, I had this weird sense of coming home. Up until that point, I, I really was going kicking and screaming because I wanted to go to Spain. But I had this weird sense of coming home. So we get reunited with my dad and he says, do you remember the girl that you went to, uh, eighth, no, I was I was like fourth grade, when we lived in France. He says, she's graduating and she's having a graduation party tonight, and I think you should go. So I went to the graduation party of this girl I lived next door to when I was like eight years old in Japan, in France. And when I was there, I met this girl who had earned all of her school clothes money by modeling. And so I talked to her quite a bit, and I was impressed because she was shorter than I am, and I'm only five foot tall. And I never would have thought that modeling was ever an option because of my height. And, uh, I thought, damn, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? So I, I got the information from her and I started, I started modeling. I don't know if this is what you're asking me for.
4: <laughs> it's interesting though, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. Just, um, yeah. Okay. Keep
3: going. Okay. okay. So, um, I went to, it's called Patricia Charm School. That's where you learn to go and how to do your hair and how to do your makeup, how to walk, all those things that a 17-year-old would be just thrilled to know how to do. So I get there, and it was like a 10-week course, and about halfway through, I started working um, because I had... I wasn't real tall, so I appealed to the Japanese. I had brown eyes, so I appealed to the Japanese. I had light brown hair, so I wasn't a tall, blonde, blue-eyed, skinny girl that the Japanese couldn't relate to. So I had the kind of look that worked, and so I just started working all the time, all the time. And my very first job was... For for an accordion magazine, it was a music magazine, and that they were is featuring amazing. an accordion, and they had me in a bathing suit. <laughs> and I looked that
0: for that. Is <laughs> looked, amazing.
3: That was my very first job, and then uh I don't know a couple of months. I would later, buy an accordion. I mean, like, there we go. <laughs> I don't know what the bathing suit had to do with an accordion, but they had me in my bathing no suit. No idea. <laughs> so uh, so then a couple months later, uh, the Asian version of Mademoiselle magazine, which was a big deal, had me on the cover. And I'll never forget that experience. I was so thrilled. I bought, I must have bought about 10 or 12 of those magazines in <laughs> To all my friends back in the States, you know, look, I'm on the cover of a magazine. And interestingly enough, it's one of my least favorite photos of myself. So I just, you know, was very, very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, just everything kind of lined up for me and I just worked all the time. I had very few American friends because I was never home and I, I went to Sophia University, which is the English version of one of the universities there, I don't remember which, at night. But I couldn't even get through a semester because I was working all the time. You know, so it was it was just an awesome experience because, first of all, I got to learn Japanese. At first, I had an interpreter that would go with me, and I have an aptitude for languages. And so just bit by bit, I picked it up enough that I felt comfortable to go by myself. You know, I could figure out how to get there. I knew what they wanted. I knew, you know, if they said, smile, don't smile, you put your hand on your hip, you know, all of those kind of directions.
4: What was it like being an American woman during the late 60s in a Japanese film? What was that experience like for you?
3: in The Japanese film? Mm. It was, it was, how do I describe it? It was kind of surreal, you know? But see, it, by that point of having lived in Japan so long, I didn't identify strongly with being an American woman because I lived there, I socialized there, I spoke the language. So I didn't see that sharp distinction between me being American and them being Japanese. So that so was you were
4: relatively integrated by that point?
3: Yes, yes. In fact, when I came home from Japan there were many times that the Japanese words would come to my mind before the English words, you right. know? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I really loved Japan. I really, really did. It was awesome. And when I had the opportunity to do the movie, we had an interpreter. First of all, Rhodes, of course, was just there for, what, three months to film it. And he spoke, obviously, no Japanese. So we had an interpreter. And Honda-san would speak to the interpreter, then the interpreter would speak to Rhodes or Rhodes and me. And a lot of times I understood what Honda was saying, but be, and I'd only been there two and a half years by then. So I spoke it, but there was a lot that I could miss because the depth of my understanding wasn't there yet. So it was, it was cool to have the, the interpreter there as well.
0: So just a question. Sure, Honda is something of a legend in our group. What was it like working with him? What was he like as a person?
3: You know, one thing I really, really regret is that I had no awareness of what I had the good fortune to experience. I had no idea who Takarada was. I had no idea who Honda was. I had no idea about any of that. And when I look back on it now, first of all, he was a very gentle man. He did not scream, he did not holler, he did not make a terrible face if you displeased him, but you always knew when he liked what you did, and you always knew when he didn't like what you did. And he made you, he's kind of like a daddy, he made you want to please him, because he was very gentle and and very competent, you know. he. You knew when he came to work, he had done whatever homework he had to do for All the scenes that were being filmed that day, he knew exactly what he wanted from you. One of the scenes in the very beginning where uh, uh, King Kong puts me in the tree when we're on Mondo Island, and he puts me in the tree, and Honda said, I want you to do this. And he put his hand up or his arm over his mouth to act afraid. And he says, I want you to do it exactly like that. So that action that I took of like being afraid, like, Oh my gosh, uh, was a, his, his specific direction. So, um, he always knew what he wanted from the actors and he, he just was great to work with. And I, you know, when we did our cast photo at the very end, the day we wrapped, he sat right next to me, and it made me feel really, really good because he could have sat next to, you know, Takarada-san or Hamamiye, you know, but he sat right next to me, and I, I don't know, it just it felt like such an honor, you know, for him to do that. But I did not realize what a gem that was until I started doing conventions, and all the fans would come up and say, "Tell me about working with him. Tell me about Nakajima-san," you know, and I went, "Wow, amazing." I just am so lucky, you know.
4: And what was the time between when you filmed that and Mm -hmm. you started appearing at conventions? What gap was there?
3: I filmed that in 1967 Mm -hmm. and my first convention was in 2015.
4: Good grief. Why was there such a big gap?
3: (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I had no idea anybody even liked the movie. Mm. Uh, I, I had no idea that there were fans out there. So in 2015, out of the blue, I get a phone call from a guy named Brett Homnick from Japan. And he says, hi, I think it was 15 or thir- 14. Hi, my name is Brett and I live in Japan. And I said, I used to live in Japan. He says, I know I've been looking for you. And, um, uh, I was like, amazed that he was looking for me and he told me that there were fans that had wanted to have me go to conventions and meet him and meet meet them and I was just flabbergasted. I had no idea. It It was such a shock. It was almost like I had been living in another universe and then all of a sudden got dropped down into this one, you know.
0: It's kind of interesting that you say about that time was your first convention because I was looking upon looking at the release dates for the film. So uh-huh. it was first released on DVD in Region One, which would be uh, in the United States, in two thousand and nine, and then the Blu Ray followed in April twenty fourteen. Wow! So. Prior to that, it had no disc appearances whatsoever. I couldn't really find anything for VHS, but right about that time that people started looking for you is when it was starting to get re-released and recirculated. So uh-huh. it's kind of neat to see that, but, uh, it is a fun film and I, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who wouldn't watch it. Just say, Oh yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> you know, it'd be great.
3: I even, uh, I hadn't seen the movie in eons and, I guess it was in 2016, no, 2000, oh shoot, 17, I went to see some friends in Texas and they said, Oh, for God's sakes, let's watch your movie. So they had, you know, bought a, a DVD of the movie and we had a King Kong watching party. And I hadn't <laughs> seen the movie since the day that I rapped. And I was amazed. I laughed at myself in some of the scenes. I just laughed which I wouldn't have been able to do when I was younger from <laughs> <I'm> too self-conscious. <laughs> but it was, I thought, what a cute little film, you know, feel-good film. And, and uh, yeah, so it, it was pretty neat.
4: It's good your choice of words because last night, having watched it just for the first time, because I, oh. I fully admit I only went out to watch it because I knew as homework that I needed to kind of get the material <laughs> in before interviewing yourself. And having watched yeah. it, I just thought that was a nice little film. You know, it's it's just it's a it's a pretty straightforward story, and it's quite contained. I didn't go away thinking, "Oh, I wonder what happens with Mechanic Kong." I wonder what happens, you know, later on. Just it was like, yeah, the story wraps up nicely, and it's a very sixties, very campy little movie, but it, it's thoroughly entertaining.
3: I thought one of the funny scenes uh, to me was how I'm dressed in my uniform, and then uh, all of a sudden. I've changed clothes as we're walking with Doctor Who and then mm-hmm. then we have the scene where we're like at a cocktail party and I change my dress and I thought where did all this <laughs> did I bring to <laughs> surprise sur- sur- there's <laughs> it just struck me
4: there's funny. one point when you're being picked up and your hair color changes to ginger, and it's like, eh, <laughs> what's gone on there? And it's like, I, I don't care. It's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> don't try and ex- don't try and explain it. Just just go with the flow. It was the '60s, you know.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that was my stunt double. Um, I was in the chair, you know. But the scene where I'm jumping off the submarine into the water, when I read the script, I thought, oh my god, am I going to have to dive into the water? And uh, but they said no, no, we've got we've got a stunt double for you. And uh, whenever they had the little doll version of me, she had orange hair, and I always that uh, was quite thing. Yeah,
4: yeah. So, and what happened following the wrap up of the movie? Did you get any options open up for other Toho movies? Did you think you know what? Never kaiju movies again. That has <laughs> happened. You know, no. What was your mindset after? Mindset, uh, my, mind,
3: my mindset was I'm a workaholic my mindset was like I want to work again what am I going to do next and I had the opportunity to be a guest star on one of the detective a weekly detective shows in fact I just found the script the other day for it and um I was so excited because I got to speak Japanese in the whole hour and uh so I did that where I was a princess and they were trying from another country and uh, they were trying to assassinate me. And it, oh. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was very intense. So I was so thrilled because I got to speak Japanese the whole time because I had wanted to speak Japanese in King Kong Escapes and they wouldn't let me. So anyway, so I did that and and we wrapped in July, August? Well, that, That's a
4: question though. Okay, right. Why wouldn't they let you speak Japanese?
3: <laughs> the question is, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because I thought I spoke it quite convincingly, but, you know, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Well, Conflict oh, of accents. That, well, the whole dubbing thing is another story that, you know, why they dubbed my voice the way they did. You guys know my voice is dubbed, right?
1: Yes. I just okay. I saw that on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Good old Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, see, so, yeah, that threw me because you were speaking English, but then you were dubbed. It did yeah. throw me, yeah.
3: Well, see, during filming, all the Japanese actors would speak Japanese, all the English would speak English. Hmm. So. You would be saying hi, how are you, and they'd be answering back, "Daijoba desu You know. <laughs> so we had to. It was easy for me. It was a little confusing for for Rose, but it actually worked out really well in terms of filming. So then they had to take the entire film and redub it in Japanese, and the entire film and redub it in English. So if I, you know, Arthur's no longer with us, but if I had ever seen Arthur again. I would have I would have said, "Man, why did you do that to me?" That's <laughs> a horrible voice. I don't I don't care how bad an actress I was. I couldn't have been that bad, you know. Sounded like a, a like a toy voice, you know. It so, could have been
0: just simply because they were recording it in mono, so the audio track was all one thing, so they couldn't have preserved your audio and they had to get someone else to do it.
3: I don't know. Interesting yeah, question I, to research. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, to get back to your original question, so I, I guess about September, October, I did the TV show or as a guest, and then my agent at the time uh, said, you know, would you be open to doing a TV series? I said, yes, I would, and uh, but then it was time for my dad to come back to the states. So that was like October, and we came back in February, and I got to thinking about it. Geez, I'm only 19 years old, and I'm an only child, so I've been pretty protected all my life. And I don't know if I want to, you know, live in Japan all by myself. As much yeah. as I loved it, being able to come back home to my parents in my American way of life and then going out and living my Japanese life, I mean, I had the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So I, I I, hesitated and said, I, I don't think I'm quite ready. So that fell by the by and then I came back to the States in February, yeah, February of 68. But right after King Kong wrapped, I, a friend of mine went to Toei Studios where they were filming Green Slime just to watch it being filmed. And so they asked us if we would, you know, just be, uh, what do you call it, extras or something? So we Mm -hmm. said, oh yeah, sure, why not? So I did that, which was, you know, maybe a week's worth of work, and I just did it for fun, you know. So I originally intended to stay and study acting here in the States, which I did, and I wound up doing one My Three Sons TV show. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. That was in the 70s. And then I got out of it because it was... My experience in Japan was so much like a fairy tale, I was treated great. I was treated with respect, taken care of and come back to the states and oh my gosh, you know, it was a whole different experience. I was not ready for that. Wow. Let's take our second break.
2: Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com.
0: Where are you, fella?
2: Ready to start your career, Kansas City? We're hiring flame sales and service agents. Apply online today at Kansas City.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Linda Miller. I want to welcome you back to Kaiju Curry House. I hope you're having a good time listening to all of us talk.
4: Well, thank you very much. Uh, Linda, I've got a question about your character in the film. Okay. Um, I understand that within 10 minutes of the opening scene, she has four buttons on her jacket. Why did the director pick four buttons?
3: Oh, I didn't even know
4: I had four buttons. <laughs> yeah. These are, the, these are the kind of weird questions that fans ask. <laughs> well, I like weird questions. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I just uh, don't wh- have weird why answer. Not, why not five? And why are there only buttons on one side of your jacket? Did you ever wonder this?
3: No, because I, I can tell you why. Oh, because oh. that's chic. That looks chic to have it just on okay. one side.
4: See, I was actually joking, but thank you for a genuine answer there. <laughs> um, how do you think the film's aged? Serious question.
3: I think it's actually gotten better with age. At least, <laughs> I feel like I've gotten better with age. So uh, I think it's gotten better with age. It's uh, Especially nowadays when everything's so serious and everything's so intense. It just is kind of a stress reliever to watch that movie. At, at least for me it is. And... Uh, I think, I think it's lighthearted and fun and, and just enjoy la- On
4: last night's viewing, I'd say that all
3: of the film was pretty on point for
4: me in terms of enjoyment, apart from the one line which I was pretty shocked by was when there's that big meeting about the expedition returning to try and track down Kong, and they're talking about why Kong hasn't attacked your character. And <laughs> the, the main gentleman says, well, I'm a man, and <laughs> as you can see... <laughs> She's a woman. It's like, wow. Wow. <laughs>
3: <That
4: information. laughs> yeah, yeah. D- just, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's all of a different time, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, very, very, it's very right. 60s. Very, very 60s. It,
3: it was very ahead of its time, too, because you had a Japanese man and an American woman yes. kind of pretending to have a relationship mm-hmm. of some kind, a, at least a flirting relationship. So that was very ahead of its time. Definitely.
0: <laughs> so um, I have a question for you. Oh, if you don't mind Alex. No, um, no, please, please. I'm, I, we discussed this during the break, but uh, for all of our listeners, I'm just curious. So there have been quite a few Kong films since we've had the two, uh, well, there was a seventies and an eighties Kong film, um, which was King Kong and then King Kong lives. And then we had Peter Jackson's King Kong. And now we've had Kong skull Island. So mm-hmm. in every single one of these films there's been a heroine and I was just curious on your take do you think that the uh the character and the plot point and the progression of the heroine in kong films has it gotten stronger better or has it kind of retreated like what what how do you feel uh that's gone
3: <laughs> Well I think all of them has a common thread in the sense that you know that kong loves them you know that there's that relationship with all of the women now some of it's kind of uh, i haven't seen all of them i saw the one with uh, jessica lang and i was a little disturbed because i thought it 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 was a little dark and then i saw skull island which i loved i especially loved when samuel jackson got killed (laughs) You know because he was so mean to Kong. He um, was a naughty bloke, yeah. He was he was a bad dude and uh in fact the whole theater cheered when he got killed. It's like, "Yay, kill him." What um, was
4: the darker Kong film that you mentioned before that? That's
3: uh, the Dino was,
0: De Laurentiis film.
3: Yes, yes, that one. I don't know. I I didn't care for it. I thought she looked beautiful, of course. I think all the Kong women that that have been in the films have, you know, all obviously blonde and attractive. But I thought she was beautiful in that. Um, I don't know. I, it just didn't have the sweetness. You know, the, the whole feeling of the film was darker to me. But even Skull Island, that was dark. The relationship between Brie Larson and, um, and Kong, I thought was, was just very touching. So, you know, I maybe not, because I haven't seen them all, I maybe can't answer, you know, exactly, the most intelligently but um i just thought a lot of them were kind of mean and dark towards kong and um but all the women were i mean he was after all the women he likes women he likes <laughs> blondes you know so that's about all i can say about it
0: i will agree that the uh the seventy and 80s versions those are very dark films um it's kind of funny because I always think of the, the 70s version, the one that De Laurentiis did. Um, first thing that comes to mind is Jeff Bridges in it, and I'm like, the dude. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: uh, Before he was the dude. <laughs> yeah, before he was the dude. Um, yeah. but, is it a good uh, film? Would you recommend it? It... it She's very correct. it is dark it's it, it's all it's basically like an untouched pristine wilderness, like a tropical island mm-hmm. and it's being exploited by an oil company, which is very in keeping with the environmental message that a lot of seventies films had you know oh, one of your favorite one of your favorite films Alex's Godzilla versus the smog monster you know similar vein isn't it yeah you know, like we are trying to you know save the environment well um they can't dig for oil there because, you know, the, the, the oil, the deposits, they aren't ready yet. So what they do is they abduct Kong. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, it's just, it's so exploitive of the situation. And the, uh, I, I forget his name, but the uh, captain of the vessel, he just wants to make a name for himself. He's, he's staked his reputation on it. So he's bringing something back. And Jeff Bridges is the primatologist and kind of like the doctor of the group. And he just, he just says line after line of just depressing, depressing stuff. Like when they take Kong, he just like makes this remark. He's just like, yep, that here, you've taken your God away. They're the God away from the natives. Like in mm-hmm. a month from now, they're just going to be sad and they've got nothing else and blah, blah, blah. Oh. Like that civilization will topple because you've taken the magic out of their lives. And it's just like, it, that, it's that whole sentiment, and then, you know, like, modern automatic weapons versus Kong, and just a lot of things that make it really dark. One funny note, though, is that it won an Oscar for special effects, and the bit that it won the special effects for is that they made a life-sized Kong. They actually made a life-sized Kong, a full-body Kong That's pretty cool. for that film. It's cool until you see it, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because it was only in one scene and it was quite horrendous. So basically, what like very few people at the Academy apparently watched the film, but when they read full-sized, like seventy-foot animatronic Kong, they were all like, "Yeah, I'll I'll give it to him. You know, and it's a bit better than I the mean... other ones that put on paper." So they just gave it to it because King Kong has a certain pedigree associated with them. So yeah, the seventies film for all of its charms, it is, it is a very dark movie. Um, myself, I'm a fan of large, dangerous, scaly things. That's, that's why I'm on this podcast. But, um, the only large, dangerous, scaly things or scaly thing in that film is a rather, unimpressive looking snake that he easily dispatches and I remember watching that um, a bit younger and I was like wait, wait a second, all the other ones have had dinosaurs in them, why do we just <laughs> get a snake now?
4: <laughs> but, and that that you know. uh, that snake, I mean King Kong yeets that boulder onto the head, something rotten
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. it, it yeah. gets crushed <laughs> there was no yeah. Gorosaurus, that's for sure
3: that's but, what it uh,
4: is, Gorosaurus okay uh, He's famous for his kangaroo kick, isn't he? Actually, yeah, he does. An absolute <laughs> unit.
0: So that that's a fun bit of trivia. So okay, so Linda, your well, co-star that... Kong, he mm-hmm. was set to actually appear and destroy all monsters. However, the licensing ran out, but gorosaurus was still around and kicking around as it were so gorosaurus made it to destroy all monsters which is basically like the avengers movie of the toho uh, monster cinematic universe now Mm. they still had the kong costume though so for anybody that wants to see linda's kong strut his stuff he is in a show called Go Green Man, and he appeared in that show in 1974. Of course, Gorosaurus, not to be outdone, was on the same show two years prior 1972. So Toho did reuse both of those monsters. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of fun in that sense. But anyways, sorry. Also, um, I digress. Brief- briefly
4: to add there's a point in Destroy Our Monsters when Gorosaurus first appears and, like, sort of breaks out of some monument, and and they say, you know, Baragon Attacks, and they get the, the name completely differently wrong. Yeah. Does that does that ring a bell? <laughs> Joe, help me out here.
0: Oh, no, I remember it. And
4: um, yeah. I think that's the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it was in Paris that it attacks, yeah, because Manda appears, and, you know, Angerus and the usual kind of squad but then you're like, oh, Gorosaurus and Baragon, wait, what? Wrong name. But there you, there exactly. you go. You guys
3: are amazing.
4: That's, we're just nerdy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're with, 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 with something, you know. A, a, amazing is
0: be a stretch. <laughs> we'll take um, it though. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no oh, totally. Badge <laughs> of honour. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was on a podcast once, she called me amazing. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 These nerds, I don't know who they were. <laughs>
4: yeah. But they have very, very attractive accents.
3: You know? Yes, they do. I, I, I love accents. So, yes, you all do. There we go. Although, well, Joe, yours is not so strong. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> In fact, I was married to a fellow from Hungary, and the thing that first attracted me to him was, was his accent. So. <laughs>
4: I'm I'm so pleased that the recording is going to pick up the sound of your of your pet cats. Oh, <laughs> <my> <laughs> so see, no, 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 that's no, good. The, the, this is the homegrown rustic feel of our show. You know, we uh, have children sh- running in, interrupting. <laughs> yeah. You know, waking up, and then we, we have we have pets in the mix. It's it's wonderful. What what's your yeah. favorite part of um of the fandom? it's it's not a trick question. You know, nice uh, my know.
3: favorite is meeting the people hmm. and. And that's my very favorite. I would do it for free. Of course, Jim doesn't like it when I say that, but I would do it free just because I enjoy, I enjoy meeting the people. I enjoy them being so happy to meet all of us, you know, and knowing that we're bringing a little bit of happiness into the lives at that moment. That's my very favorite, very favorite part because, you know, they come in and they're excited and, you know they have this picture of me or whoever they're meeting as the character in the film that they've watched you know and i just think the people are fantastic there's they're you know they're all different you know that just i say you know a lot they're different and in a good sense they have sort of like a simple sweetness about them and I just, I just love them. I just love them to death, you know, cause they're sincere. They're very sincere people. That's my favorite yeah. part is meeting them, you know. And then when, when they ask if they can take a picture and I'm like, yeah, of course. And they get excited and, and sometimes they'll forget to ask and I'll say, would you like to take a picture? You know, and you just, <laughs> you know, they get excited and they're happy and it, and it rubs back on me. So. That, to me, is the highlight of going to the convention, is actually getting to meet the fans and seeing them.
4: I do think that enthusiasm can be infectious, and that, that, that that's the best yes. part of, ha- of having a hobby. And it doesn't have to be particularly highbrow to be lots of fun, now, does it?
3: Actually, highbrow is not as much fun, <laughs> you know. No. Yeah. So
1: um, when you've done these conventions, have you ever uh, been reunited with a co-host from the film? Have you yes.
3: ever spoken? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yes. In 2015, I did a convention, and then in that was the end of 15. Then early January, Jim asked me to come to Japan, and I did a their version of a convention. It was it was not like an American convention, but Takarada-san, Nakajima-san, and myself were all there together all day long. Oh wow! And it was fantastic. See, I never, I met Nakajima-san once when he was in costume. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and so when I got to meet him this next time, he, he was a very interesting character. He loved the girls as well. And he was, he was definitely Kong in that respect. <laughs> and, uh, he just, uh, he was a very nice guy, and very interesting. And the American fans went crazy over him. You know, Takarada was a big star, or is a big star in Japan, but in America, the superstar was Nakajima-san. He was the one everybody wanted to see. So I got to, in Japan, unite with the two of them, and then uh in Chicago at G-Fest, uh, Takarada-san and I did that convention together as well. And we were going to do uh last year's G-Fest together, and it just didn't work out, so... Mm.
4: Well, there's always other opportunities, isn't there? And with we things also, becoming,
3: we're, we're all getting older, so I don't know. You know, hmm. you have to seize the opportunities when you get them.
4: There's definitely a positive message there to be had. But I suppose yeah. with things becoming increasingly digitalized, I mean, look how we've been able to record yeah. tonight at four different places. You
3: know,
0: yeah.
4: even with the challenges of plugging mics and
3: headsets, <laughs> we've
4: been able to do it. <laughs> yeah it is time to wrap up folks so we will conclude with our own personal recommendations and it has been an absolute joy speaking with you linda so thank you for giving up the time to speak um for myself I'm, i'm not a kong expert so i'm gonna say if nothing else check out 1998 mighty joe young that was probably the first um yeah. kong-esque movie that i saw i know it's not quite king kong but that was the closest thing i could think of um, and i saw that when i was 10 at the cinema and i was very enchanted with that film and that that has many of the elements doesn't it of a king kong movie so yeah 1998 mm-hmm. mighty joe Young.
0: joe all right for myself um i was going through a bit of my kong literature earlier today for some reason so <laughs> i have a book um, and it's actually canon to the original 1933 Kong. Um, the author and artist are the only pair that have actually asked permission from the Marion C. Cooper estate to make their stories post and pre-Kong canon. So if you're a fan of the original Kong, this is canon. Um, but it's called Doc Savage, Skull Island, and it's by Will Murray. So that's M-U-R-R-A-Y. And basically it tells the story. So Doc Savage was like a 1920s and 30s pulp hero. And he's kind of like an Indiana Jones character. So the book takes place, um, pre, uh, Denim Expedition getting to Kong. So it takes place before the original film and Um, it ends, um, or more like it begins after Kong has died in New York. Sorry, folks, spoilers, Kong dies. But, (laughs) anyways. Well, not in yours. I mean,
3: maybe he does, but he doesn't.
0: (laughs) But, um, anyways, uh, it's Doc Savage who actually takes his remains back to Skull Island because he feels like he owes Kong for something that happens in his past. And, um, it's kind of the story of how they originally met and then the story of how he gets Kong's remains and Carl Denham back to Skull Island. Because for anybody who might be interested, the guy who brought Kong to New York pre-Rampage would have been in a lot of trouble. So he takes Denham back to Skull Island, too. And it's just kind of a fun adventure yarn. But, uh, yeah, it's Doc Savage. And, of course, naturally, we're going to recommend King Kong Escapes as well.
3: hmm
1: Okay, so, um, if we're going on Giant Apes, the standout film to me most recently is probably Rampage with the Rock, because that's, again, doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's kind of big, dumb fun. But other than that, I do want to give a shout out to a film I just saw called, um, Apollyon. That's so Um It's a short film, it's six minutes long, it's available on Amazon Prime, and I'm not going to say anything more. Just just find it out and, and give it a watch. Well, just to
4: interject there, if we're going to mention Rampage, I'd like to give a shout-out to our good friend, Jason Lyles, who played George in okay. Rampage, and you can listen to our interview with him on episode 27. Nice plug. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I feel quite proud of that. <laughs> Linda? Oh, okay. If nothing else, what is your recommendation?
3: Okay. I, um... I'm really having a difficult time with this, guys. I do, if you don't mind, would like to plug my Facebook page. It's Linda Miller, King Kong Escapes. If you could look it up and like it, I'd appreciate it. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, guys. I'm a Christian, and I I have to just be really honest that this whole thing opened up to me when I read a passage that said, uh, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And it wasn't soon after that before I got the phone call from Brett and said that they were looking for me. And I just want to encourage anybody who has a dream and anybody who thinks that they're too old, like I felt I was too old, uh, that time has passed them by, that that's not the case. To keep on dreaming, keep on believing, and never give up. And that's 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 what I can think
4: (laughs) No, that was wonderful. No, that was an incredibly you. wholesome message. Thank you.
3: You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank I just you. want to say one more thing, if we have time. This has been a delight, and I've really enjoyed every minute of it. And I want to thank you guys for inviting me, because I had such a good time.
4: Thank Aww. you so much. My um, yeah, pleasure. I hope that we can post this up to your um, Facebook page then.
3: Yay! I hope so, too. I hope wonderful. so, too.
4: Well, it's time to end our recording,
0: so thank you very much for everyone.
3: Yep. Thanks, folks. And as
0: always, keep it kaiju.
1: Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at the Curry House today. If you enjoyed it, why not visit heroespodcast.com to see other shows in the network? And if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at currykaiju or join our Facebook group, UK Kaiju Fans. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next time.
4: Are there any things that you think, Linda, that you've not talked about in previous conventions? Just like anything random you want to share with us?
3: Well, first of all, am I talking too much? Oh no, oh, no, no. Oh, no. no, That's, that's why that's we awesome. invited yeah.
4: you on. In, in, a, in okay. an interview <laughs> with Linda Miller, is Linda Miller talking too much?
0: <laughs> yes. yes, she is. You're fine. Oh, You're it. absolutely
2: fine. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles, worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar, up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip, QT. More than a gas station.